So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Rashad Bateman and the Ravens are officially in London, and let me tell you, they are living it up. They are enjoying a day of leisure and sightseeing on Tuesday before the real work begins. Yep, and one of Rashad's Instagram posts, Sarah, has everyone talking after a game, obviously, that he wants to, I'm sure, forget on Sunday in Pittsburgh. We'll take a quick look at what he and his teammates got into on Tuesday and also share more excellent Lamar Jackson analysis put forth by Dan Orlovsky. And you already know what RG3 did. He went to bat for his guy, number eight. He always does. I'd expect nothing less. I am Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Wednesday, October 11th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So former Steelers QB Ben Roethlisberger was left perplexed at how the Ravens game planned against standout pass rusher T.J. Watt. And he spoke about it on his podcast. We'll get into that in just a bit. Yeah, plus a J.K. Dobbins sighting and some film study from Sunday in Pittsburgh that you may have missed that we won't let fall through the cracks. We have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. This is our second or third, I don't know, second to last episode, I guess, where we're both stateside. I'm getting ready to go across the pond and going to continue our coverage for us on the ground in London ahead of the week six matchup between the Titans and Ravens, which is what, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, kickoff on Sunday, the 15th. So mark your calendars accordingly. Looking forward to providing some content out there, trying to get as much perspective for you on the ground. But like you said in the open, Tuesday's cool. Like We shared that tweet from Jeff Zarebeck earlier this week that unlike in 2017 when the team went out kind of late in the week, the Ravens gave themselves an extra kind of bump here to not only acclimate to the time change, Sarah, but also kind of enjoy themselves. And maybe that's exactly what the doctor ordered, honestly, coming off just a total stinker, one that you want to flush, right? And and so I'm sure Rashad is at the top of the list in terms of guys who want to flush it. Well, here he is on the left-hand side, getting a little bit of shopping done on his Tuesday day off. And Sarah, have you ever, I know I certainly haven't, but have you ever went shopping at Balenciaga, and did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> I believe you did, but I am not uh, a big shopper myself. Anytime I can avoid going inside a store, you know I will do it. Uh, and I'm certainly no fashionista, but yes, I believe you pronounced that correctly. <laughs> Here's some of the reaction to Rashad 
one of the main Twitter accounts, one of the Ravens fan accounts, put this out uh, with his a, a screenshot of his Instagram story. And you see here on the right-hand side, uh, 0-7, Rashad Bateman had the worst game of his life and went fit shopping at Balenciaga as soon as he touched foot in the UK. Honestly, I respect it. Uh, Diego. He's having a mental reset, something most athletes should have. If you ever played anything competitive, you know the last thing you want to do is cling on to past emotions. Good on him. I hope he succeeds on Sunday against Tennessee. And Nick Mason, Rashad Bateman is catching a touchdown in London. Bookmark it. <laughs> Hashtag Ravens flock. And I think, based on his at there, that Nick is a part of the UK Ravens because it's his handle is yep. British underscore Raven 19. So I've actually heard from a bunch of the UK Ravens, which I'm excited to, uh, including we actually had James Ogden on, you might remember, the night of the draft. And he yep. is one of the lead spearhead guys out there who just is so knowledgeable. He's got a great, great study of the game. And so he actually just reached out to me earlier this week, and we're going to try and link up when I'm out there. But what was your reaction? I mean, just kind of a, a almost like, a little reprieve here, a little cleanse, if you will, for Rashad before he kind of turns the page. Yeah, to be honest, when this was first posted on Twitter, because obviously it was on Instagram first, um, I think it was like, uh, what's the Twitter account? Ravens Live or whatever was the first one to bring it from one platform to the other. And it was exactly what you would expect at first, where people were taking, you know, pot shots at him, like, you know, he's going to drop the bag and all that kind of stuff. And uh, some, I'll never understand this with some fans, some being like, why is he shopping? He should be in the film room, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, but no, my guess is, and I don't know the, the team's schedule super well, but players need one day off. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's in the CBA. They get one, one day off a week during the season. Hmm. And so Tuesday was probably it because they flew home, home Sunday. Then they flew out to uh, London on Monday and then they get to work. On Wednesday, we've got all the media podium and all that kind of stuff. So why shouldn't Rashad Bateman go with all of his teammates and go have a mental reset? Because I'll tell you what, sometimes what makes me more focused, Bobby, we do this all the time. We're grinding, we're grinding, regrinding. And then we start to be ineffective because we're grinding so long. And then having a day off, you come back and you refresh and you're like, let's go. Okay. Yeah. That's the way the, the those three fans that we we decided to screenshot them instead of the 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 mean ones tearing them down because uh, all we can do right now you you know all we can do right now is continue to to encourage him and uh, shoot man I hope he's feeling good he looked like he was feeling good let's like you said flush it and let's get back out there because uh, and I wouldn't be surprised when Nick said book it. it I would not be surprised that. Munkin and Lamar want to get Rashad back on track. And the way you do it is start sh throwing him the ball. Cause he had the most, there were a lot of drops, but he had the most egregious and it seemed to affect him the most. It would not be su surprising to me that they were drawing this up to try to get him back on track. Well, listen too, Nick is of, you know, European heritage as well. So he's willing this into existence here. Uh, it, this is his territory, right? So, so Nick is kind of saying, look, look, you know, the, the English soil could be good for Rashad. Hopefully that's the case. And we're just, look, this is like, this is how it goes, right? We both critiqued Rashad during the post-game live stream. I put up an entire separate video about some of his behavior after the game, declined to speak with the media, whatever. Then he releases a statement through Jameson. Like, all that's out there. 
but we're still yep. encouraging. We're still supporting him. We pulled in those specific tweets that echo positivity and optimism for a reason because we don't want him to fail. Of course, we don't want him to fail. We want him to take the next step in his career, and hopefully he can push, put Sunday in Pittsburgh aside and behind him starting Sunday in London. Before we kind of shift gears here, let's just see what some of the other players were up to. And i got to begin with Lamar. Do you want to start first? Because what I loved about Lamar, though, just before you, you, you dive in here, is that where else, where else in the United States can he just walk through the streets and not be recognized. Like how how relaxing, probably relieving was that for for him. Well, and not only that, like I don't know how many of these guys have been to London. You know what I mean? They certainly uh, a lot of these guys can certainly afford it now, but I don't know how many people have. This is like you know they're all still young players getting into things, and so yeah, Lamar clearly he just has this you know um, cell phone shot downtown London which is very, very large, by the way. I lived right outside of London for just under a year. Um, and, you know, you got the Shake Shack there. He's like, it's, it is. It's almost like a mix of, like, this old world and the modern world. You've got the classic uh, British bus there. It looks like a sightseeing bus, maybe hop on, hop, hop off. It's got, you know, the British flag plastered onto it. You've got, this is, this is my favorite with PQ. PQ. Took a video of him and a bunch of his teammates. Okay, so these are huge NFL players all stuffed inside what looks to be a London cab. And again, I don't know how many people have, have been in one of those before, but uh, they've got, you know, kind of different doors and different ways of being in. And it's like, look at all those dudes squished in there together, arms around each other. He's got them looking back. It's just like, that's so classic London because in Europe, everything's so packed together. Everything's yeah. packed together. Everything's so small. So to see all those uh, football players packed in there. And then the last one, Marlon Humphrey makes a little joke. He's got, he's on this trail and these, there's trails are everywhere, Bobby. Uh, he says morning walk with the London ladies. And it's got a bunch of ladies in front of them who must be in like their fifties or sixties. I don't know who are all in like clearly this walking group and he's behind him on my morning walk with the London ladies. It's so gorgeous. And then he cuts to a, a video that just kind of gives a preview of their field that they're going to be practicing on. And it is absolutely gorgeous to have that London country landscape to look over. <laughs> I lived in Cambridge, Bobby. I walked on one of these all the time, all the time. And those country views, I mean, they're just absolutely gorgeous. So I'm glad to see all the players adjusting to the time zone and soaking up the scenery while they can. Yeah, I'm going to be leaning on you once I get out there because I've been to Europe many times. I lived in Spain, but I never went to England mostly because of just balling on a student budget back in 2015. You know, why would you go spend in the pound? I mean, that's not going <laughs> to, the dollar's not going to go very far on the pound back then. So that was kind of my decision, but I'm looking forward to spending an entire week there. And I know we're going to continue doing what we do in the meantime. Shifting gears to some more reaction, I would say some more level-headed, reasonable reaction, if you will, from the national media. And typically, names that go along with, with that are Robert Griffin III, former Ravens backup quarterback, Lamar's guy, Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback who's turned into just a tremendous analyst. We'll begin with RG3, who on Monday Night Countdown asked the question that probably should be asked right now, not throughout the course of a five-week sample size, but definitely coming off Sunday in Pittsburgh. Every team in the division is separated by one game, but the question I have is, 
what is Baltimore, right? I played there for three years, last three years of my career. I know the identity of what they want to do inside of that building. But right now, Lamar Jackson is not getting any help from his offense around him. Defensively, they're great. Second in points per game, uh, giving up. Second in yards, giving up. But offensively, having eight drops. Now, Larry, you're a wide receiver. Eight drops in the greatest American Football League in the world is never acceptable. So I'm hearing guys talking about, oh, well, Lamar Jackson needs to be better. He needs to do this. The real question we need to ask is, is he getting enough out of the guys around him on offense before we start talking about his contract? He's out there fighting for his fudging life, man. I don't know what more the guy can do. So just to be clear, just to be clear, because we always keep a PG on here, and you notice that that was not bleeped out. He said fudging. Fudge. <laughs> You know, fudge. And, and what what's funny, funny was- Bobby, I don't know if you saw this, but somebody had pointed out in, in our morning vault yesterday, they thought that I said the F word. And I was like, what? So they time stamped, stamped it. I went to it. And if we both know, I didn't say the F word, but I went to it. There was a glitch. And it seriously sounded like I said the F word. <laughs> like you need to go. It's like in 21 or whatever. I can't remember. But sometimes StreamYard, there's a glitch. And I'm like, what the heck? I was like, I because the guy who said it. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I looked and I was like, whoa. So I did, did sound like I said it. So both me and RG3 were being misunderstood today. <laughs> That's hysterical. Anybody who knows you knows that that was definitely a glitch. All right. We do not. Yeah. We, we do not potty. We don't have potty mouth around here. But anyway, before we get into reacting to, to RG3, <laughs> that's actually really funny. I saw that <laughs> comment and I was like, what? I was like, yeah. no way. They're crazy. Like, they're just trolling Sarah. But maybe they had a point based on uh, the It did glitch. sound like it a little bit. Anyway, before I got to take, take it up with the editor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right here. That's me. <laughs> before we react to RG3. I think it's just a good transition and a perfect segue to what Dan Orlovsky talked about. And again, this is just, I'd say, more hard-hitting analysis because he's in front of his screen. We shared a very similar clip a day ago, you did, uh, on Tuesday's Morning Vault about the play that led to the sack, or I should say the fumble, right, in the fourth quarter in the game's final moments. TJ Watt, uh, not TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith beating Ronnie Stanley at the line of scrimmage, right? Dan O does a great job at showing what went into that. And I think it's just a good segue because, again, RG3 was asking. He was posing the question, what is not happening around Lamar? Well, especially on Sunday in Pittsburgh, Ronnie allowed nine total pressures. So that was one of the things that we'll discuss after this. Um, There was also the costly Lamar fumble late in the game. What did you see there, Dan, when you saw it? Yeah, it's not on Lamar. You know, that's why so often everyone's like, it's all on the quarterback. That, That fumble is not on Lamar. It's a great play by the defense, but this is why you can't just sit here and say it's all on Lamar Jackson when it comes to this fumble. So, When it comes to shotgun mechanics, I'll play it for everybody to remind everyone. This is Alex Highsmith off the left side of the offensive line. He does a tremendous job of raking the football from Lamar's right hand and essentially seals the football game. So shotgun mechanics for the quarterback when it comes to the depth. This ball, let's say this ball is going to get snapped right around like the 43 and a half yard line. 
So you're really trying to be fair when it comes to the depth that we get in our gun to these tackles, right? Because the deeper we are, the straighter the line it has for the defensive ends on those tackles. So if the ball's at that 43 and a half yard line, you don't really want Lamar to get any deeper than like the 34 and a half, 35 yard line to, to really not stress those offensive tackles. So step number one is seeing where Lamar gets when it comes to the top of his drop. Where does Lamar get when it comes to set up, setting up in the pocket? He is right at about seven and a half yards, completely fair to those tackles. So the spot that he gets to, it's not too deep because sometimes that happens. Now, when it comes to what he's doing, Lamar is staring down here to Mark Andrews. What he's trying to do is get these two defenders to somehow jump up just a little bit because, look, he's got outside leverage right there for Odell Beckham, who's running this in route in the vacant part of the field. So he's exactly where he needs to be when it comes to the depth of his pocket. He's looking exactly where he's supposed to to impact those defenders. And look what he's about to do. He's about to go pull the trigger. He's about to go throw that football to Odell, who's breaking open on that in route. But because of that, and what happens to the left tackle, and I'm not trying to single out the left tackle here, but the, the reality is when he opens the gate, meaning see how I can see that left tackle's jersey numbers? That's called opening the gate. He's no longer parallel to the line of scrimmage. That's not on Lamar. It's a great rush by Highsmith. The left tackle gets beat, and then the ball comes out. We can't sit here and go, well, Lamar Jackson fumbles the football away. There's nothing he can do in that moment. If there is a fraction of a second longer, a little bit better blocking, he is likely to rip that in route to Odell Beckham, and the story of the game might be completely different. But right. that's, you know, not all turnovers fall on the, the quarterback can't play shoulders. Again, it's an extension of what you discussed on Tuesday, but he's got the board in front of him. He's showing the footwork, the misalignment there, the mistake from Ronnie that left himself really just wide open for Highsmith to bull rush him. Next thing you know, the game's over, and that was a, a major game-wrecking kind of play from, from Alex Highsmith that shouldn't happen. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually two things. It was an extension of what we went through, but there are two things I learned from that because I liked the all 22. One, I like that he pointed out, I guess three things. I like that he pointed out how deep Lamar's supposed to go to make it fair for his tackles and that Lamar was right where he was supposed to be. Number two, I like how he explained how if you can see the tackles numbers when the, when the cameras are to the sideline, then he's he's not doing his his job right, you know. And again, I have plenty of grace for for Ronnie Stanley. He's you know, I mean, grace in that game and that he's I, I don't know that he's conditioned to be, you know, all four quarters because he hasn't played much. He really hasn't played much through training camp, so he needs to get that. Uh, I would like him to stay healthy, but I'm just saying within the context of that. But but yeah, he can't he can't open up as as he said. And the final thing, the the most pushback that I've gotten because I posted a, a, a video of that very play saying it wasn't Lamar's fault, just as, as uh, Orlovsky said. Um, but people kept saying, well, why didn't he step up in the pocket? Now, the video that I had put out was an up-close one that showed Stanley, and I couldn't see the pocket the way I just saw it on that video. Yeah. If you'd watch, there was a stunt where a pass rusher was coming right up the middle. If Lamar had stepped up, he would have stepped up right into him. So uh, to Dan's point, I just don't know what else. If he had, if if Ronnie had like just at all deterred Highsmith and he didn't like literally not at all a split second more, then, then that would be, um, like he said, an, an, a completion. Now, I wanted to make clear, though, because some people thought that like we weren't acknowledging Lamar's because we did an Orlovsky um uh, breakdown of his interception and Orlovsky talks about how he didn't love the play call, which I agree with, especially not being under center. That being said, I'm not absolving Lamar on the interception. I thought while it was a bad play call, I think it was also a bad throw. And that at the very least, again, I would have liked if he were going to guess which he had to, to guess on the back shoulder throw for an incompletion to at least get the points. Yep, and we're not absolving him of several of the fumbles that he's had. He leads the league in terms of fumbles, right? But on that example, you saw why, as Dan said, there's nothing he could have possibly done to have avoided that based on what happened to Ronnie Stanley there. So uh, unless he just bailed out of the bout out of the play. Right, right. Like that's all you but, can. But possibly why would do. he? He he needs to have faith in his in his left yes. tackle. You know yes. what I mean? It, because if you start playing, if you start playing without trust, then you start getting antsy, and then you start throwing balls too soon. Yada yada yada. Then you have a problem throughout the entire game, rather than on that one play. Either way, it it let it helped. It was one of the factors that they lost. But I'm not putting the game on Lamar like so many people in the media have done. Yep. So to get back to the original point, right, RG3 kind of posed the question to everybody. What isn't Lamar getting from around him? And on Sunday in Pittsburgh, not through four weeks, but certainly Sunday in Pittsburgh, he didn't get enough support, as we've talked about ad nauseum at this point, from his pass catchers. Now, again, it hopefully was just an outlier, and hopefully the graphic that's on the screen backs that up. The highest drop rate. NFL Live, ESPN put this together this season through five weeks. The Lions, le- uh, I thought that said 65%. <laughs> That's why I said what I just said that when would be I glanced bad. over that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that said 65%. Well, anyway, 
the highest drop rate this season, and hopefully this is these numbers really just reflect that it's a small sample size in terms of weeks, right? And they literally had seven in one game on Sunday. But anyway, the Lions lead the way at 6.5%. The Jaguars at 6.1%. And the Ravens after Sunday are at 5.7%. What'd you make of the graphic? Well, I was looking up, but I couldn't find it. I wanted to know what the drop rate was heading into the game. We know that the drop rate of the wide receivers was literally 0%, but we don't know. I was looking up. I can't, I can find everything, only a drop rate through the entire five weeks. So I don't know what it was going in, but I remember likely a drop to pass. I believe running backs have dropped passes. So I don't know what the rate is, but I mean, ooh, to be number three, you don't want that on your resume, okay? Let's get that cleaned up. Yeah. So, again, just to finish the RG3 conversation now, he didn't get enough from his pass catchers on Sunday in Pittsburgh, right? Ronnie Stanley, a team high, nine pressures allowed. We know that he's been dealing with knee issues. We know prior to that, last year was the aftermath of the cleanup procedure and whatnot with the ankle. Un- unavailability has been a major mark against him. Right, You have issues right now with Morgan Moses down at right tackle, and I thought Jonas Schaefer put that together very well on Twitter just in terms of, well, they're right now in panic mode at right tackle because Patrick McCary, who has been extremely serviceable in relief of guys like Ronnie and Morgan, once he left Sarah on Sunday with, with an injury, left the game, Daniel Falele is in, and these stats tell the story. Before he was hurt, The Ravens averaged 5.7 yards per play and allowed just one sack. After, just 3.3 yards per play and three sacks were allowed. So there's a major drop-off there. Here's the tweet on the screen. You can follow Jonas on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. So that's an issue. Obviously, from a ball security standpoint, at the running back position has been an issue. Justice Hill, not going into week five, it wasn't an issue, but certainly... He, he was in John Harbaugh's doghouse after he coughed it up. Kenyon Drake a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's it's been a problem. And and Lamar, obviously, we already talked about you can't absolve him of, of his ball security woes so far this year as well. But that's kind of the way that I look at it offensively speaking. There have been a lot of pieces to the puzzle here that have led to a 3-2 and two record and two games that really you let get away. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested in seeing the injury report. Uh, later today, Wednesday, I need to know where McCary and Moses is at because we can't do this with Falele again <laughs> uh, or Falele. Uh, it just, we can't, I mean, what, what, I mean, the fourth quarter was brutal. The fourth quarter was brutal. And I even see Steelers fans bragging about how they were able to shut down the Ravens and they did. And so they deserve their flowers, but uh to be down to your third tackle against your division rival in TJ Watt is never is never fun. One quick note on TJ Watt before we get to some film study. This dude is a warrior. And I know we've all probably seen the clip of sort of the, the punch or the, th- the throat slash or whatever people are calling it online of Zay Flowers. Uh, but Watt is the, the dude's durability and toughness can never be questioned. He suffered a badly dislocated finger and tore multiple ligaments in Sunday's win, Sarah. That's according to NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero. Uh, What did he do? He didn't leave the game. He popped it back in, kept playing, and the injury is not going to keep him off the field 
after their bye week. But gosh, is that a great, great timed, you know, efficiently timed bye week for him because that is painful, but it didn't impact, it didn't stop him from being a game wrecker whatsoever. So Bobby, throughout since the game, we focused more on the offense, and we've done that because when you lead, when you lose, you focus on the stuff that mostly that were the biggest contributors to the loss. Yeah, the defense um, was not that. The defense kept the Ravens in the game while they were going through all their drops and all their issues. That being said, they had a couple plays that did contribute to it that I wanted to touch on. Uh, you know what, though? Right before I get to that, I do want to get to your Ben Roethlisberger quote about about Ben Roth about um, TJ uh, Watt. My bad. Yeah. How did I yeah, forget yeah, yeah. This, this this clip? Some one of our listeners, Robert Nickel, is his Twitter sent this to me, tagged me in it, and said, hey, I thought this was interesting, and I did too. But Big Ben's got a podcast now and is, is post-playing days. Did you did you want to say anything before we tease this? No, let's just play it. Okay. Here it is, Big Ben's official podcast. Why wouldn't you take a page out of what Houston did last week I thought and put a guy thing. there, chip him with the back, put a tight end, do something? TJ, it, it, it maybe, maybe send some flowers to John Harbaugh. <laughs> um, you know, I, there, was a, there was one play – on one of TJ's, I don't even know what his final stat line was, one of his many sacks, it felt like. Yeah. He he went around the edge, and the tackle went to put his hands on him and literally didn't even touch him. Like, yes. like what are we doing? Yes. Like, like, TJ is one of the best, if not the best, defensive players and players in the game of football. Yes. How are you not putting two and three people on him? That Thank you, Baltimore. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking up the stat that we shared on Tuesday's vault because, yeah, Watt has 14 career sacks against the Ravens. That's the second most by any player against the team all time, only trailing another former Steeler in James Harrison. So the Ravens have had their plate full with T.J. Watt, Sarah, and quite frankly, they do not have an answer for him. Bob, they sh but, but to his point, um, I don't know if he's cherry-picking some plays or if it was like you know, the majority of the game that they didn't do that. Um, again, we saw the big difference of having McCarry in versus McCarry out. Um, but here's what I feel like. Like, if Lamar feels comfortable, he is going to deal. Okay? He is just going to – he is just – when he's comfortable and doesn't feel like he's running for his life, he is going to have a great game. So that obviously has got to be a priority. Um I feel like there have been a couple of people who called out um, Justice Hill for as good as he was kind of like being his own little version of a joystick. Uh, there are several people that called him out for uh, not hitting his chip blocks and, and all that. So uh, whether it's the running backs, whether if you get Patrick Ricard, if you get uh, Mark Andrews, a couple of tight ends, um, but it's got to be paramount that you make Lamar comfortable because he will make good things happen. So, uh, it's never good when the when the rivalries former quarterback Hall of Famers like oh appreciate the gift. So yeah. hopefully I wouldn't mind if that circulated back to uh, I was going to say Owings Mills, but London this week. Um, okay, so as I teased, um, I wanted to focus a little bit on the defense, even though let's not get it twisted. The defense is not the biggest reason for the loss. However, we all know this play was massive. This breakdown at the end. 
where uh, Kenny Pickett is able to find George Pickens. He's one-on-one with Marlon Humphrey. I'm playing the video right now. Mike McDonald decided to send the house. He, you know, he blitzed, which is not, that's more of a thing that, um, why am I forgetting our former defensive coordinator's name? Who's in New York now? Um, Wink. Wink. Thank you. I was like thinking I kept, yeah, I was thinking of Mink because we've got a couple of tweets of his coming up, but yeah, Wink. Mike McDonald isn't like that. But he chose to in that situation, which we'll talk about more in that. But check this out. Marlon Humphrey is not 100% Marlon Humphrey yet. And I'm not even implying that that maybe his foot is still hurting him. It could be that he's just not quite conditioned yet because he doesn't even deter Pickens whatsoever. Doesn't like get physical with them. Doesn't really get his hands on them. Isn't keeping up speed wise. Like it just was like just badly, badly beat. So um, I saw a debate about this with our girl Rita and her co-host Glenn Clark over at Glenn Clark Radio. So she had tweeted, "I'm still tripping that McDonald, who I am a huge proponent of, let Marlowe and that bad foot be on an island with their best player." Then her co-host kind of pushed back a little bit, um, and he says, "I think it was a quote." true outcome thing though he said if they get another first down meaning the Steelers you're losing without getting the ball back so it's kind of like even if they just barely convert and don't get over our heads if they just get the first down a a few yards away then they can just you know milk the clock and and you know or get points uh through a field goal he says the more I've thought about it it was probably the right call given the circumstances you either you either needed a sack or they had to score. So he's saying, you know, that was like McDonald's uh, thought process. And then Rita says, I don't agree here, but at a minimum, she's saying, if you're going to, if you're going to go with that, if that's your strategy, uh, that you got to go for the sack, she says at a minimum, I'm not putting my guy that just came back from injury on their best player. I'm just not. So I kind of agree with Rita. I mean, if you are going to go with that strategy of like, hey, we're going to go all out because this is the situation that we're in, cool. But maybe, I don't know, Brandon Stevens has been balling out. He hasn't been perfect, but he's been balling out. Rocky Sin wasn't really out there. I don't know if he got any snaps on defense. Uh, but I think there's a point there that it's like with the game on the line, you do want to be able to put Marlon on there. And I actually said that Sunday. Uh, that you're like, hey, you want to put your all pro out there. But then I was even like, wait a minute, I forgot the context that he really hasn't practiced in over a month and he's coming off of surgery. So I actually agree with Rita there. I don't know if that was a good position to put Marlon in. Show me some Tyler Linderbaum because all we've discussed from Sunday is the the glitch yeah. and at the end of the first half. But he was up to some other positive production in the trenches, right? Yeah, he was. And we've, you know what? We held him accountable for sure. Uh, he snapped the ball premature. Or he shouldn't have snapped the ball at all. Uh, we've been through that, but that doesn't mean he still isn't this excellent gobbler box um, blocker. So here he is. This is from Ryan Mink. He pulled this uh, from all 22. So that was, is that Gus Edwards? So there's a, he, there's a very nice hole here. So there's Linderbaum circled. Lamar's got, the handoff to Gus Bus. Yeah, Gus Edwards, Gus Bus. Now take a look at Linderbaum. He's starting with one block here. 
takes care of his man. <laughs> he now all of a sudden a second Steeler defensive lineman's right there. So Leonard bombs. Well, I took care of fifty-seven. Now let me get one. I'll keep one hand on fifty-seven. Let me get this other hand on fifty-five. <laughs> and look at that hole for Gunspice. Heck yeah. Uh, heck yeah. I is fifty-five Highsmith. <sighs> Because if that's the case, that's no joke of Simon. That's Highsmith right there, isn't it? Oh, man, whoever it is, that's that's big time. That looks like the inside linebacker, but, I mean, Highsmith could be over there. But, I mean, check this out again. He's got 57, taking care of business. Oh, 55. Oh, I see you. I got you, too. Okay, Highsmith uh, is just... 56. Yeah. Okay, who's 55? All right, you look it up. Anyway, I wanted to give Linderbaum his props. Uh, taking care of two blockers. That was pretty nice. And then this one was just insane during the game. This is a Lamar. This is a Lamar clip that, you know, we've only focused thus far on his mostly his interception and his fumble. We've talked about the drops, but this one was absolutely insane. This is third and 18. Bobby, I can remember there's been so many times in the past if the Bravens dig themselves in a hole with a with a sack or a penalty, like it was like, all right, we'll kiss this drive goodbye because there's not they're not getting out of this. Mm -hmm. Lamar on this play drops back, pocket collapses, he begins to scramble. Live on TV, Bobby, I'm like, oh, this will be the a patented uh Lamar Jackson run, but can he get the whole 18? It like I wouldn't pass Lamar that he could you know, I wouldn't not believe in Lamar picking up 18 on with his legs. And I thought that's what he was going to try to do. And then he's going, he's going, whoop, stop on the run. By the way, Bobby, you'll notice on that, he's running with the ball in two hands <laughs> rather than one. Mm -hmm. So if you're wondering, he is clearly trying to work on ball security, but he also has to keep it. He doesn't tuck it quite because he's not giving up on the pass just yet. So he's kind of got it in both hands. He's got this Steeler running down on him. Lamar decides, nope, I'm not going to run. Jukes this guy. I don't know how he does this. Gets the ball back in his right hand and gets his hand in throwing position so fast that I thought I put the video in like double speed. You know how I like to listen to double speed. Look, look how fast he goes. Then he finds Zay Flowers. And converts the first down on third and 18. That was one of those special games or special plays that it's just like, I don't even know how Lamar does it, but I wanted to give him his, his props and Zay Flowers because as, as bad as Zay Flowers was with his two drops, he also had a decent game. And I just love the, the, the scramble chemistry that he's getting with Zay Flowers because it's you need that with more than just Mark Andrews. I like now that he's got two guys that on scramble plays they can they can come up and make plays for him. Street ball, street, street ball. ball. Cole Holcomb was that second Pittsburgh linebacker that Linderbaum took on in the second clip. Just so you know, thank you. Quick hits. J.K. Dobbins with a <laughs> entertaining. I guess I, I was really happy to see him in such high spirits. Aaron Rodgers does his weekly Tuesday hit with the Pat McAfee show and JK Dobbins. We know as of like a week or two ago, when Aaron was on Pat's show, he said that they've been rehabbing together their, their respective Achilles tears that they suffered. What? I think they were both week one. Anyway, it was good to see JK. Here they are. I guess in theory, that makes sense because Mac can throw every ball. He's accurate. He does this Brock Purdy's brain though. 
Oh, what's that? You're not working, bro. Who's that, JK? Is that JK? You're not working. Hey, you're not working. JK! You gotta let him work. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, look. I'm out here working. I see him on TV talking on the phone. Why do you have to work? He's got, got He's got that machine. He's got that machine on right yeah, now. That's what I There's no doubt over there. Hey, thanks, bro. <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm on my second switch. I'm proud of you. How old is he? Uh, he's young. Very young. Yeah, you're 39. I love the fact that he's, he's 24 years old. We just looked it up. 24-year-old coming in there. Hey! Hold it! <laughs> I'm working. What do you got? I love second sweat. You, right outside the door here. It's on TV for sure. Yeah, well, he's a, I love J, JK. Is an awesome kid, man. He really is. He's a fantastic, fantastic kid. It's been fun to, to be pushing with him. I mean, there's, you know, we had another uh, uh, another guy in here who uh, tore his Achilles. Unfortunately, we had an injury at, again with my squad. Uh, another Achilles. So there's there's a few of us who are going to be pushing each other to to get back. But JK had surgery a couple of days after me, so we've been. We've been working together a bunch. Well, we love that Achilles healing factory. You guys go, hey, you guys keep pushing each other. Yeah, yeah. Keep pushing modern medicine forward, too. Mm -hmm. We appreciate that. Seems like As soon as I heard the voice off camera, I was like, that's J.K. Dobbins right there. I know that voice. 24-year-old oh, yeah. J.K. Dobbins and 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers doing their respective rehabs together. I think that's going to, one, make for a lot of entertainment like that, but I think be good for J.K.'s spirits. As you saw there, he was excited. He was chipper and that was pretty funny too so just wanted to share that elsewhere Jamison Hensley put together the spread and what things are looking like right now going into the weekend uh, Ravens are three and a half point favorites over the Titans Lamar Jackson has not lost back-to-back -back games since 2021 now obviously he hasn't been available a lot over those last couple of years but still that's an impressive statistic and over the last two years he is 5-0 after losses with seven touchdowns and two interceptions for whatever it's worth there. Now, speaking of there, here is there. <laughs> what was this? Did you pull this from a different year? Or? I meant to, no, I meant to delete this. No, they had it. The Ravens posted it today, but that actually doesn't seem like it would be a today thing. I meant to delete that. You. you can move on. That's cool, though. Is that, yeah. that must be in 2017, right? Maybe. Yeah, it looks like it. Ravens Productions account put that up. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure there'll be recreations of that coming up this week. And then this was your slide as well. So what do you got? <laughs> I think this is funny. I'll be quick because we're running out of time. But, you know, Big Cat from Barstool Stool Sports. There's, you know, funny goofballs over there. So he does his, his rankings, but it's like funny rankings rather than like, you know, a list one through 32. So the top of his list, he's got super juggernauts. And he's only he says San Francisco's the only one that's in that category. Then you've got juggernauts, which he's got the Eagles, Dolphins, Chiefs, and Lions. Then he's got Super Bowl contenders. He's only got three teams there: Bills, Jaguars, and Ravens. Okay, so he still believes the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> so a tw a, tw a Twitter follower goes, "How are the Ravens Super Bowl contenders?" L M F A O. And then Big Cat responds. All he does, he goes, this is how. And he just takes a close-up of the Ravens birdie logo next to Super Bowl contenders, you know. And I just liked it because it is hilarious to me that, like, last week we're all like, oh, they're going to be 3-0 in the division. They are rolling. The offense is just getting better. And now it's like the sky is falling. So I just grabbed it because I thought it was fun. I'm glad that not everybody's like, okay, the Ravens are trash and 
trade everybody, fire everybody, let's rebuild, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I still think the Ravens are going to be okay. Let's shout out two of our returning patrons who are supporting everything we do here inside the vault through Patreon this month. Bill Justice and Toei Faree. We appreciate both of you for believing in what we're building. And if you're interested in doing the same, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering. So with that, we will have a preview episode coming up with for the Tennessee perspective with our special guest, Paul Kaharski, but be on the lookout for that on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. And then again, we're just going to continue moving along. There's going to be a five-hour time difference between the two of us, but we're looking forward to continuing creating content here as we enter week six. So for my co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Wednesday morning vault edition. We're glad you're here. We're glad you spent these last 40 minutes with us, and we will talk to you soon.